Welcome to Commercial Property Podcast. My name is Helen Tarrant. I'm an author, I am an educator, and I am a specialist commercial property bias agent. Now, in this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you specialist strategies and terminologies and live case studies on how you too can achieve financial freedom through commercial property. Now, if you are looking to buy your first commercial property, want to find out more information to see if commercial property is right for you, or you want to expand your portfolio to two or three commercial properties or even more, then this is the podcast for you. I will be sharing with you live case studies, the journey of my clients and students, and also how we're putting deals together. So relax, listen in, and enjoy the process. So welcome to this episode of Investing in Commercial Property. This is an important episode where Helen discusses the critical differences between commercial and residential property investing, and why commercial property is a great opportunity for positive cash flow and also capital growth but only when you know what to look for. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome to today's podcast for commercial property and positive cash flow commercial property. I've got Helen Tarrant with me. Welcome, Helen. Oh, thank you, Namiki. Today is a really important topic um, because I know a lot of listeners out there will probably be coming from residential property investing. And their biggest question would be, well, how on earth does commercial property compared to residential property? What are the differences? Like, where are the pitfalls? What are the things I need to be looking out for? Um, as, as you know, we, we certainly understand that there is a significant difference. Can you please walk us through the main differences and the main things to sort of to look out for in this conversation today on our podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, look, I always really love sharing about uh, sharing information about commercial property, but mainly to highlight the difference with, between residential and commercial because I still think there's so many people who don't realise um, commercial property and residential, how different they behave. It's not just like, oh, instead of buying a, an apartment, I'll just buy a office space. It's very, very different from that. Uh, it's a different industry. Uh, they're totally different asset classes. The bank lend to them differently on a different scale. There's different rates. Um, they're two different lending departments. You don't have a commercial valuer that values residential and vice versa. So they totally are treated separately, even though they fall into the property space. So it's really important to actually lay that out so that um, you, there's an understanding of what it is. Yeah. And I, I guess that's so. what today's podcast is really about. Yeah. Yeah. Just just giving, I think, listeners that um, overview, which we can obviously go into detail uh, further down the track in different podcasts, but the overview of, you know, what are those main differences? You, you pointed a couple out in terms of valuation, how the bank values properties, who values them, financing. I mean, that's one whole um, section and then you know obviously the the amount of due diligence you have to do the things you have to look for so yeah, yeah just walk us through some of that okay so um, in uh, in residential property um, most of the property most of the things you do you can do fairly easily online so you can do an RP data search of the area uh, you can look at you know how it's grown in the last three five years you can look at some comparative sales you can monitor the market um, you can do all of those research relatively easy on your doorstep yeah. um, you can go to open for inspections you know on sat every Saturday every Wednesday it's pretty much set in the industry you can do mm -hmm. that um, and something that you know next door if next door sold for six hundred thousand your property is likely you know is going to sell somewhere within that ballpark unless it's got significant improvements so there's a lot of things about um, 
residential property that, that that's very similar. Now in commercial property, each and every deal is different um, because of the element of the deal. So while in residential, you can go to the bank and says, look, I'm looking to buy a unit for 600,000. How much would you lend me? And the bank could easily say, we'll give you 80% at this rate. They can't, you can't take a $600,000 um, uh, office space, which is probably the most similar to an apartment, Right to the bank and go, hey, I'm thinking of buying an office space. Can you tell me how much? Well, the bank is going to say to you, show me firstly the information brochure, which is what we call an information memorandum yep. um, of the property. Um, show me the uh, the lease on the property. Is it leased yep. in that property? And I will go and check if we will take that as security first. And then if we would accept it as security, because currently, you know, we're not overexposed in the office space um, sector, we'll take that on and then we'll be able to give you a quote. So it's very, very different. You're not going to be able to walk into a bank and get a quote straight away for something no. like that. Very so that's on the lending yes. side. Yep. If you wanted to go and buy a, um, a unit, you could relatively easily find out all the history of it. It's not likely the case in um, in in commercial, when you're looking at buying, um, that you might be wanting to buy a um, a, a unit, uh, like um, an office space, because uh, you're going, your last RP data entry, if there is one, might show that the property was last bought two years ago or three years ago for 400000 And you're like, well, why should I be paying 600000 for it? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in, in residential it's all a bit linear when you can go okay well someone you know i can see there's been a 50 percent growth in this area so you know a four hundred thousand dollar property is now worth six hundred thousand yeah so um, the data so seems to be more readily available and cleaner um or there's just more of it that's available yeah. in residential versus what you're getting um when yeah. you're doing a commercial search yeah yeah and you're, you're wondering to yourself well what's going on yeah. um why should i be getting you know why should i be paying six hundred thousand for this office space yeah. um well the, the the main thing is the office space that you're buying now may previously not have had a tenant when it was last sold for um, four hundred thousand so it yeah. was untenanted yeah, yeah. Maybe untenanted. It may be really run down. It may have had some massive issues that needed to be fixed. Um, they might have had some strata issues. They might have had some lift issues. Might have had some building issues that you know, was a special levy that was raised to got it all fixed. They might have had an internal fit out done, and then a tenant was found, and then it was put on the market. So as a result of that, um, you might be saying to yourself, "Well, hey." Um, that's why I'm paying 600,000. I'm paying 600,000 because now all of that stuff is done for me. Yeah. So and like, the value has increased as a result yeah. of that. So it's almost so like a different property because what, you know, your previous yeah. for sale property could have been, as you said, yeah. untenanted, run down, you know, in need of repairs. And then when all that's taken care of, um, yeah. the, the opportunities that come with that taken care of property uh, are very different yeah. yeah and hence the sale yeah, price yeah. is different yeah that's right that's right um and um and it is very different because then it because the thing is the nature of the property has also changed instead of being a vacant property it's now a tenanted property of course so that's that's also changed so sometimes when you look at previous sales um, I always get this question from my students. Oh, they're making so much money out of this because they bought it last time for 400000 I was like, well, you don't know what they bought it 
and what time they bought it, what was the state of the property. Yeah. So it, it, it's harder to piece together the history of it. Yeah. And the history historic sale price doesn't mean anything because 10 years ago, before the GFC in 2007, 2008, people bought commercial properties at the peak of the market. Then in 2012 to 2014, some of those properties lost 40, 50% value. Wow. But today, today they've gone higher than what they were in 2007 and and eight mm-hmm. so you know we're 11 years after to 11 12 years after so they've gone higher so it's hard to predict what happened also economically during that cycle as well mm-hmm. yeah and and the economics impacts you know commercial properties differently depending on what the commercial property is where its location is what business it's reliant on there's so many different factors compared yeah. to just a home or somewhere to live. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. And, and I think that's the main thing. That's one of the big things about um, commercial property that you have to understand. The previous sales data doesn't mean anything yeah. in terms of how much this is going to be sold for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, sorry, continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other thing that most people get um, that are very, very different um, is that uh, it's the outgoings because in commercial premises you can get your tenant to pay the outgoings whereas in residential all the outgoings are paid by the um, the landlord so again that's a different format totally <laughs> totally and that's the one thing that gets me excited about commercial property is that you know the price will always or the rental price will always reflect outgoings either included for gross rent or paid separately by the tenant uh, because yeah. it's part and parcel of business and how business is done. Yeah, and that's right. And so that's why um, that's very different from residential. So most people go, oh, I didn't understand that. Your tenant can pay all these things. Yes, that's part of what they, it's the operation of their business. Yeah, and that's what leads to the opportunity to find um, commercial properties as you do with higher yields, higher net yields, because by the time you've remove the outgoings that the tenant is paying for, you're getting more back into your pocket, which gives you your positive cash yeah. flow. Yeah, that's yeah. a super exciting part. Yeah, so those are two fundamental things that behave differently. Um, and apart from that, um, the other thing that behaves differently of a property like that is actually um, uh, it's that the, 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 the tenants, the tenants in there are different types of tenants. So you always have someone who is a who is, you know, if you're buying an apartment, you're mostly like renting it out to, you know, mums and dads or families or students or, you know, you're, you're renting it to average person who's going to work and they're using it as their home or a place of residence for the moment. Um, but they treat it as a transit area. So they don't treat it as their own. They treat it as they're just renting. So they don't have the same level of care that people who have commercial property, uh, who have commercial property tenants do purely because commercial property tenants, um, they're there because that's their primary source of income and their primary source of business. So they're not going to trash the place. Mm -hmm. They're going to take care of it as if it's their own. So you have some, you have a tenant who, you know, you have previously, we've done some podcasts of, you know, we've got tenants who are, um, like Stater and Gordon or tenants who are restaurateurs or tenants who have, um, uh, they have their professional business in there, mm-hmm. whether it's a training organization or not. They, they are not going to have, have an operational in a rundown um, center 
or rundown unit, they're going to make sure that that whole commercial premise is a tip-top shape and that they've got all the compliance and that they can operate a successful business out of there. I think that's huge. I think that um, I think that's something most um, property investors who have been sticking to residential property don't probably understand like that that mind shift of well your tenant in a commercial property has a yeah has a very different purpose for being there um as you said it's their prime it's their income it's their primary business you know it's and they're going to take care of it because they want to attract customers and clients to their business and they want to make sure that their premise is presentable and nice and well looked after so that they can keep attracting customers and clients into their business. So it's, uh, it, it is a very different ball game. And now obviously, you know, of course there are some residents that will look after a house as though it's their own, but a lot of residential properties, it, as you said, most people see it as a transitional period perhaps in their life and they may not take good care of it. I know, I know we're going to look at uh, another podcast or um, about your personal journey, your personal experience with residential property, but you know, you know sort of there are all sorts of problems that can come from tenants who don't take care of property, but in commercial property, you know, more than nine times out of 10, more than 90% of the time, that commercial tenant is doing an A great job of looking after the property because it's their sole source of income. Yeah, yeah, and your tenant's not going to trash your place. So you don't have to, it's not one of the things that come on your radar. Um, mm. I have that asked at seminars. Well, what if your tenant, you know, trashes your place or don't look after it? Well, the thing is, most of them do. Most of them do because it's, their, it's where they're deriving their income from. Yeah, most of them Whereas do look after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, because don't. it's their primary source of income. Yeah understood makes perfect sense yeah and i like to i think at this point talk a little bit about um mindset and about vacancies because one of the big things that comes up is about vacancy and about commercial property vacancies and compared to residential so residential vacancies you know it, it can be much shorter much shorter although at the moment there's been it's, there's certain areas that are experiencing slightly longer vacancies just because of the high rents we're charging in the metro cities. Mm-hmm. But um, on historically, residential properties has had lower vacancies. So they might be, um, they might find that, you know, every time you have a change of tenant, it's one or two weeks for you to, for a tenant to exit, you know, for you to maybe do something with that property and then the new tenant applies and the new tenant comes in. And that's usually what happens. Yeah, it's in a matter of weeks. Yeah, matter of weeks. In commercial, it could be a matter of months before yeah. it happens. So that's how do you sort of deal with that? Now, my my mindset is 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 about this: is that when you are buying a residential property, let's let's compare it. So you buy a five hundred thousand dollar property. It's a, a a property that, if at best, a two bedroom unit um, in a metro city, so Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney. And it's probably going to give you somewhere right now around $450 a week to $550 a week. Mm-hmm. So call it $500 a week on average. Okay. Yep. Um, it's about $25,000, $26,000 a year in gross rent. You take out your water, your, your strata and your rates notice. So that's most likely going to be somewhere between seven dollars to $8,000 a year. Mm-hmm you're sitting somewhere around $18,000 for that property. And you then have to take out the mortgage. So the mortgage on a 
let's say at 4% for 500,000 of your property is 20,000. So you're $2,000 down from day one mm-hmm. from that property. Yeah. Everybody knows it's negatively geared. That's the game. It is. And that's fine. Yeah. And that your whole thing is that you hope in the back end, the property grows by anywhere between five to seven, uh, five to 10% a year. So it grows between 25,000 to $50,000 a year in the background. And, and that's the picture for, mm-hmm. for, um, for residential property. Now, it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed it's, it's going to grow that. Yeah. No, it's not guaranteed, but that's, that's the whole picture. That's what you look at when you look at the assessment. But when you buy a commercial property, um, if you buy it in Metro, somewhere like Brisbane, um, you're going to get a 7% yield at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. So a 7% yield is $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But that 7% is a net yield, which means that the ALCO is already taken out. Um, you're getting a net yield, which means at the moment the interest rate is sitting somewhere around that 4 to 4.5 yep. for commercial property. But let's say it's, it's 4.5% instead of 4%. You're paying 22500 for this property. But you're getting $35,000 of um, – you're getting $35,000 in positive cash flow. So by the time you take out – um, the the actual interest. mortgage yeah. interest, um, you're still $12,500 up. Yep, you're still making $12,500 in cash flow. Which is um, $1,000 a month in positive cash flow, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 On the same property. But then the other thing is you will have a tenant that might be there for three years. Let's mm-hmm. say you might have a tenant there for three years. Mm-hmm. So you're making $12,500 per year for three years while the tenant is there. So that essentially is $37,500 you're making on that property. This tenant goes and you all sudden you might have, because it's a metro area, the retenancy period might be three or four months, right? Say in Brisbane, somewhere like that, or, mm-hmm. or even like six months. Mm-hmm. So what you realise is that your um, so in that, let's just say, you know, worst case scenario is a six-month to tenant that so six months uh is you're losing out you know you're losing out six months of holding costs so you've got you know you've got your twenty two thousand dollars a year plus some bits and pieces so let's call it you know maybe fifteen thousand dollars you know all the holding holding costs yeah yeah including your interest including your interest including your raise including everything it's fifteen thousand dollars for you to hold that property for six months untenanted in area like in Brisbane or Gold Coast or Sunshine, somewhere around there. Okay. So, yeah, you might lose up $15,000 for that period of time, but you've also gained 37500 So even if you took the $15,000 off what you've gained, you are actually still ahead cash flow-wise. Yeah, absolutely. You're ahead over $22,000 in that three-and-a-half-year yeah, three period. In that, yeah, in that three-and-a-half-year period. Yeah, so you're not negative. Yeah, you're never negative. Even though you had a slight vacancy, you're still not negative. And then once you get another tenant, it comes back again. Absolutely, it, it does. comes back again. Yeah. And at the back end, don't forget you get um, the area changes, the value of the property still changes, just like in residential. The area still grows, the area still changes for commercial. Everything changes. So those so sides over time are still potentially there as well for commercial in terms of growth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So those you're buying in a metro, so you're still getting the growth. So you might you might still get you know let's say a 
you know, you might not get 5%. Let's say, you know, you might get two and a half or, or 3% in the back end of a property in commercial rather than a 5%. Yeah. Um, so in the back end, you're still picking up $15,000 a year in the back end yeah. of a capital growth. So either way, you are not losing out. You just choose to have your cash flow a little bit at the front end rather than banking everything on the back end as you do in residential. And that is yeah. probably the biggest distinguishing factor uh, between yeah. considering um, looking at commercial property as your next investment or your first investment because of, because yeah. of that cash flexibility and because you're not it's it's not like you're putting all your eggs in one basket for capital growth in x years time um in a residential property no you're getting some you know spin off an income in yeah. all of those years up front with commercial property when it's selected well when it's researched well the way you do it of course um but yeah i think that's a, i think that is probably the most definitive part of looking at you know switching to commercial investing yeah yeah absolutely um so um i I think that's that's the main thing is to understand that yes um there is there is vacancy but overall you are still gaining you are still gaining in the long term in the long run of this property yeah and 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 putting it into perspective i'm sorry yes putting it into perspective and as you said looking at you know, looking at it from that point of view. Yeah. And also the other thing is um, why, and everyone worries about, okay, what happens when you have a vacancy? It's like, well, one of the things that can happen is that you put some buffer in place. So if this property was going to give you $12,500 a year in cash flow, could you just not spend that cash flow perhaps for the first year? And actually leave it in your bank so that in case you have a vacancy in two years' time or three years' time, you could use that money during that time so that you're not worried whether your tenant get up and go or not. I think that's a, a yeah, I think that's a, a exact a perfectly valid point. Um, or, or you could even build up six months of the first, if you've got a like a three-year lease, you could yeah. say, okay, I'll build up, I'll keep six months of the first year and six months of the second year so I've got that buffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. different ways to and, do and, it yeah yeah and because the thing is if you what I find strange is that someone who's invested in residential for 10 years or 20 years have got zero cash flow from that property never yeah. got a single dollar of cash flow they buy a commercial and they go oh my god what if I have a vacancy I've got no buffer in place it's like why you've not spent a single dollar of your property portfolio cash flow for 20 years? Why are you so keen to now just go out and spend every single positive cash flow that comes in? I get it. It's like, yeah, let's go and celebrate. But after the first and second bottle of champagne, perhaps, <laughs> can we just put that away for a rainy day? Then we don't have to worry about it. I think that makes perfect sense. And having that buffer is your mind mindset insurance your peace of mind insurance for yeah that rainy day yeah when if something goes wrong and then you can't tenant it for a six-month period you're not going to you know pull your hair out and get all stressed you you know you've got something sitting there because you've planned for it and i love your thinking and i love your strategy around that helen thank you so much for sharing that 
No worries. No, all good. And it's really important to just see that difference and, you know, and experience that because um, commercial probably behaves differently to residential. Really, I can't stress enough getting education, getting understanding around it and, um, and really understanding what you're buying is a key to a long, a good, healthy portfolio in the future. Mm, yeah, I think we, we're simplifying a lot of things in our conversation here just to help, you know, educate uh, our listeners as to, you know, what to think about, what to look for in commercial property. But, you know, as you said, education, I think, is paramount because there are some, you know, commercial properties you, you know, you, you shouldn't go anywhere near and you want to be able to make an informed decision because, you know, this is, a vehicle for your income, your wealth, your retirement down the track. Uh, so you want to be, you know, doing the right thing as much as possible. And uh, we'll definitely always give everyone a, um, a way to sort of find out, you know, more information about how to get better educated in the podcast series. So just keep listening to the end and you'll, you'll hear all that. Helen, was there anything else you wanted to um, add before we wind up on this comparison between residential and commercial property? Uh, no, no, all good. That's all I've got. Um, and <laughs> it's, um, look, it's fantastic to, to go through this and hopefully um, our, our listeners get a lot out of it. Yeah, I'm sure they absolutely will. So the differences are in the way it's financed, the way banks look at it, the way um, data is um, given to you. You don't know what past sales uh, information is actually telling you because you don't really know the full history of the property you've got to go out and do your due diligence which you know Helen knows how to educate you on so keep listening um, and the important thing is viewing the fact that uh, residents look at you know your residents look at your um, residential property slightly different or quite differently to to the way a business owner will look at renting your commercial premises because it's their you know, you know, source of income from the business and, you know, understanding that uh, commercial property is a perfect opportunity for creating positive cash flow and don't fret about the vacancies as Helen has, you know, clearly articulated. You can plan for vacancies, you can mitigate those risks to some degree with some upfront planning and know that, you know, there'll be cycles of it uh, and work through that. So Helen, thank you so much for sharing that wealth of information on this podcast. I can't wait to speak to you again very soon. Um, so until then, see you and take care. You've been listening to Commercial Property Cashflow Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss any of my valuable tips and strategies. Now, if you're wanting more detailed education and training, I have a free webinar you can attend. Just click on the link in the show notes and it will take you there. And if you're ready to invest in commercial property with guided assistance and you want to talk to us, book into your free consultation. Find out more about it on helentarrant.com. I can't wait to share with you more of my tips and strategies in upcoming episodes. So really make sure you subscribe. This is Helen Tarrant signing off. See you on the next podcast.